There's a beautiful story there, true story of Jesus, and it's one of the reasons why I, without any shame at all, without any reservation at all, commend Jesus to you as somebody to commit your whole life to. It's an embodiment of what Brian talked about at communion, how Jesus came to set people free. Listen to what happened. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. There's something demonic going on in her life. She'd been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. Have you ever thrown your back out? I've done this a few times. I've usually doing something dumb, pulled a muscle and couldn't stand up straight. It's miserable. Can you imagine 18 years of that? Some of you haven't even been alive 18 years yet. Just think your time from your birth till the time you graduate from high school and you can't stand up straight. That's what this woman is going through. And this is what, when Jesus saw her while he was teaching, he, he called her over. He said, dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand up straight. How she praised God. What would you say if you've been bent over for 18 years and you could suddenly stand up straight? Go ahead, say it now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory. Oh, man, that feels good. I don't know what she said. It's amazing. Here's the interesting things. Not everybody in the room was so excited for her. I don't know why. They, they were mad at Jesus for healing her on the Sabbath. And Jesus just made it very clear. Look, this is verse 16. This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? He's very clear here. This is what Satan does to people. Satan imprisons them. He enslaves them. I came here to set people free. Today, I want you to experience the true freedom that God can give you, that only Jesus can give. That's why I point you to him. He's the only one that I know that can transform your life, change you, make you into a new person, help set you free from things that have controlled you. Uh, that's why we point Jesus as being the only one who can connect you to God and give you the kind of life that you want. We're talking about in this series, have a nice life, have a great life. We point you to him. And we've been studying out of Second Peter. If you go over there, it says that, first of all, there's a partnership that we enter into with God whenever we become a Christian. And if you go over to Second Peter, it says, first of all, here's God's part. By his divine power, God's given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received this by coming to know him. That's God's part. He just gives you what you need to become a truly good person. But it's a partnership. You go on to verse 5 and it says, In view of all the things that God's given you, here's your part. Make every effort to add to your faith, you know, your belief in Jesus, your trust in him. Add to that uh, a generous supplement of uh, moral goodness or excellence. Maybe your version says goodness. And then to your goodness, you're going to add something else. You're going to add... Uh, uh, to your faith, you give moral excellence. Let me just go ahead and look at it, because now I'm drawing a blank about what it is. Oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> uh, moral excellence with knowledge. So in the series, we've been talking about this. In the first week, we talked about some habits that you develop in your life where you're just trying to move towards God and becoming a more good person and how God will work with you on that. And then to the, uh, the knowledge. We talked about the next week and that, about how you need to have a time in your Bible reading so that, and praying so that God can help you develop and so you know what goodness actually is. And then he goes on and he says, you add to that self-control. God truly wants you to be a person who is completely in control of everything that you do, that whatever it is that you choose to do from God's leading, you're able to do it. Because Satan wants to imprison you. He wants you to be a prisoner to your passions, addicted to things, and God wants to set you free. And today, it could be a day where you truly start moving towards self-control and God-control. So here's the truth of the matter. The irony is, while no one sets out to be addicted, a whole lot of people are addicted to something. And I don't know, maybe there's, just talking about Americans, a whole lot of Americans are addicted to a whole lot of things. A whole lot of Christians are addicted to things. I don't know, maybe you're addicted to something. 
And, and the irony of this is no one sets out to be addicted in their life. They don't want to be controlled. They don't want to be bent over for 18 years under something that they have no say over. They, they don't. Nobody says, you know what, my life is going so well, I think I just want to toss it in the garbage. I want to make some really bad choices today. They're going to live with me for the rest of my life. I want to lose my reputation. I want to lose my friends. I want to lose my family. I want to lose my money, my health, my self-respect. Nobody does that, but so many people end up living there. And if you're thinking, don't do this, but if you're thinking, this is where I just turn the computer off, I, I check out of this message, I'm just going to endure this till it's over, don't do that. God may have brought you here because he wants to have a conversation with you about moving forward. Here at Connection, we don't judge people, we accept one another because we all have scars and wounds and we're just moving towards this thing that God wants to do in our lives where he wants us to truly become the person we should be through Jesus' help. So here's the first thing I would ask you to do today, just... If you're willing to listen to me at all, trust me, uh, we've all been there, but just, are you willing to be honest with yourself? Is there something that controls you? And, and this could be so many different things. I'll just be, you know, the, on the more uh, benign end of the spectrum, are you controlled by caffeine? Anybody want to be brave enough to hold up how many coffees or sodas a day do you have? <laughs> I mean, Red Bulls count as three, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. How many do Red Bulls, uh, five-hour energy drinks? I remember, and it, it's a joke in our family, my grandma used to always say, oh, I'm not addicted to caffeine. And then in the very next breath, she'd say, I just don't feel right until I've had my fourth cup of coffee. <laughs> I don't know, Grandma. I, I'm addicted to caffeine. I'll just admit it. A do a day keeps the headache away. So, uh, you know, but everybody has these things that we're controlled by, and, and some of them are more benign. I don't know. Do you have a, an addiction to your phone? Anybody want to admit what your screen time was this week? Nobody during the pandemic should have to say what that was. People are addicted. There was a thing that came out a couple of years ago, some guys trying to address the phone addiction thing. Uh, they went on Shark Tank for it. I don't know if you saw this or not. It was called the No Phone. It's not the iPhone. It's the No Phone. It has zero features. It didn't do real well. No, I'm not, I don't know why nobody wanted to buy a No Phone. but they, it, Or the, oh, the No Phone Air. That one's great. It's just a pack filled with air. So... <laughs> Just trying to think about how you break through your things that enslave you. Uh, so there's a few things that, that do. Maybe for you it's nicotine. Uh, I don't know how many packs a day that maybe you go through and, or vaping or whatever. You know, these are things. It's okay. We, what are you addicted to? I know for a lot of Americans it goes a little bit further. And alcohol is a part of the day. I think the pandemic has really accelerated this for some people. It's become a way of numbing out, soothing. There's just so many difficult things going on. Conan O'Brien joked, he said, during this pandemic, can we just raise the bar for what it means to be an alcoholic? It's, you know, we kind of laugh and we kind of go, oh, that's a little close to home. And, and I don't know, there's just a lot of people who would say, yes, alcohol is the thing that used to be something I enjoyed, and now it's the thing that kind of controls me. I find myself planning my day around when I can drink again, and maybe it's caused some difficulties in your family, in your life, uh, with, with things like that. Uh, there's a significant number of Americans who find themselves addicted to drugs, whether we're talking about prescription drugs or illegal drugs. It's just a thing that we should be having conversations about. We have been in trying to figure this out. Uh, internet pornography is another huge issue, and disturbingly, the age at which people are being exposed to pornography on computers and phones now is down in elementary school. So if you're a parent, you should be talking to your kids, you should be thinking about access to that kind of stuff. Uh, just understand your kids have probably already seen things. If you're a kid in here, you're probably inside going, Brian, stop talking. Um, but this is a thing that a lot of people are finding is controlling their lives. You think about um, compulsive gambling. Somebody Friday night won a billion dollars. 
I hope that was good for them, but I'm praying, I literally am praying for that person in Michigan, whoever it was that won a billion dollars. Did any of you play Mega Millions? Don't, don't tell me. <laughs> Just hand me something after if you won, okay? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'll joke about this stuff because we need, to, we need to realize we can talk about this stuff, but man, when you're playing Texas Hold'em to the point where you're ruining your family's finances because you're going for the next big win, the lottery, whatever it is, look, what is it that controls you? Does anything control you? I, I don't want to, like, poke a bruise here. I don't want you to feel like I'm judging you. Uh, but if something has got a control over you, let's, let's think about this. And you might be saying, look, this is not a problem for me. Uh, it doesn't control me. It's just something in my life that I enjoy. It actually kind of en enhances my life. That's fine. Uh, but I'll just say this, and I'm saying this because I love you. If more than one person has said something to you, you need to start listening to that. Because it could be that the thing that you think enhances your life has more control over you than it does. I, I don't automatically assume that if I see you having a beer that you're an alcoholic. Please don't, I'm not judging anybody, but I'm willing to talk to anybody about anything. So here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 12. Listen to this. You say, well, I'm allowed to do anything, which is true, but not everything's good for you. And even though, quote, unquote, I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. And these words are so relevant to us, even though they were written 2,000 years ago to a church in Corinth, Greece, by the Apostle Paul. Because that culture and that society was, they were a lot of sex addicts, really. Just honestly, their culture allowed a lot of things that even here in 2021 in America, we would go, ooh, I don't know about that. And that was just the way they were brought up. It's the way the parents said, this is okay. And then as they're becoming Christians, they're learning, no, there's a new way to live my life. And it, not everything that I can do, should I do. You go back to first, or Second Peter, listen to this. Uh, chapter 2, verse 20. Peter told this to people who are Christians and following Jesus. When people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then they get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they're worse off than before. It, it'd be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then to reject the command that they were given to live a holy life. There's some strong words here. There's some, uh, just, I'll just read it. They prove the truth of this proverb, a dog returns to its vomit. And another says a washed pig returns to its mud. Why the strong words here, the graphic imagery? It's just that God cares about you so much that he doesn't want to see you enslaved to anything other than the Holy Spirit coaching you and leading you into the truly good life that you would say on your best days, this is what I aspire to. Satan wants you addicted. Satan wants you controlled by your passions and by other substances. God wants to truly set you free. What would it be like to live your life and have a day fully, completely free to do whatever you want, not run by anything? I mean, if you think that's for somebody else but not you, you're wrong about that. God can work in your life in miraculous ways. I've seen it so many times, and it can be a different day for you. Here's what you need to do, though. You just got to have the honest conversation with yourself. Just be honest. What controls me? And then if you're willing to do this, this will be so helpful, too. Have an honest conversation with God. Just talk to him. He already knows, and you know he knows. Talk to him about what is controlling you. Talk to him about your addiction. And here's what, if I could just paint a picture of what that might look like. 
you go home from church today and you've been honest with yourself and you realize that I just don't think this has a place in my life anymore, you get on your knees and you get desperate before God and you don't pray a Sunday school prayer. You pray a from your heart, painfully honest prayer of God, this is in my life and it's not going to go away unless you make it go away. So I'm calling on you to help me to do this. And you just lay it out completely. You get very honest with him about where things are and where they're going and, and just tell him, look, God, I don't want to die of this. I don't want to end my life addicted to this. I don't want to worry about what other people are going to say about me. I don't want to worry about getting caught. I don't want to worry about my finances. I don't want to worry about the impact this is having on my family. I need to be free from that. Believe me, you have God's attention when you pray that kind of an honest prayer before him. He's not judging you. He's so excited for you because you're finally coming to the place where you're going to find true release and true freedom. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans 6. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. No, instead, give yourself completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. It's a pastor named Fadi Gabriel who learned this firsthand in his life. Fadi's story started early, right after 9-11. In 2002, his family moved to the United States from Egypt. And he says, just imagine that, being a Middle Eastern kid moving here right after 9-11, doesn't speak a word of English. Kid got bullied a lot in school. And uh, even got bullied in a place that no one should ever be messed with, which was church. His family were Christians, but uh, he got picked on there too. So by the time he was in middle school, he had totally decided, I'm done with God. These people are a bunch of hypocrites. Uh, he started running with a wild crowd in school. He was partying, sleeping around, got into drugs, using them and selling them. He says at that point in his life, the thing that he regrets most is he led his little brother into that lifestyle too. So by the time they're in high school, they're both fully engaged in a life as far from God. Parents didn't know about it, and what they did know, they didn't like. Fast forward, he's uh, just finished his freshman year of college, and Fadi's parents made him go to a Christian conference over the 4th of July weekend, just what he wanted to do, made his little brother go with him. So they're like, they had a little deal among themselves. All right, we're going to go, but we're going to be buzzed to the whole conference. We're going to be high as a kite. So they took drugs with him, and they were high. However, he said, you know what I found? When God wants to get a hold of your life, he's going to get a hold of your life. They were listening to the message Saturday night at this conference, and despite being three sheets to the wind, what the speaker was saying resonated with Fadi. It got through to his heart. The speaker was talking about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that God loves you, that he forgives you, that Jesus died for you, and that no matter what you've done, where you've been, God can redeem you from that. And he said it was like, talking straight to me like I'd never heard that before and I was wrestling with God how can you forgive me with all the things that I've done and he said even in that moment I'm realizing that's just pride speaking and he gave his life to Jesus right there which was awkward on the way back to the car with his little brother because he's thinking how do I tell my little brother that I can't do what we've been doing anymore his little brother says uh I gotta tell you something I committed to Christ at the, the, the speaker tonight. <laughs> They're both trying to tell the other the same thing. They got to the car and they realized, we still got weed in the car. This isn't going to work. He said, we had a one-night rehab with Jesus. And they were driving home. There's weed and drugs going out the car window. He said their parents were so thrilled to get new kids back after that. I'm telling you, if you will just get honest and get real with God, 
your life can change. Things that you thought, this is just a nice part of my life. I enjoy it. I'm, you know, just leave me alone. At some point in your life, you're going to think differently about that because God can change your heart and he can change your mind. He can move you forward into a life of freedom. But you got to be willing to get honest. Let me give you another thought here. Just, just have the conversation with yourself and with God. This is maybe the hardest thing I'm going to ask you to do. Can you talk to somebody else about this? Just think about the thing in your life that you don't want anybody to know about, the thing that maybe you just feel so embarrassed about or ashamed of, or just the thing you're just unwilling to, to let go of. But maybe what I'm saying, the Holy Spirit's leading you to say, yeah, things need to be a little bit different in my life. Can you talk to someone about that, a trusted friend? Here's what Satan wants you to do. Oh, no, don't talk to anybody about that. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Why would you want to talk to people who love you, care about you, and want the best for you? Why, why would you do that? No, you... Here's what the Bible says in James 5, 16. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Look, somebody here today needs to talk to somebody. I'm, I'm a great listener. My wife, Kirsten, would love to talk with you. Our elders are fantastic. Find somebody, your life group leader, somebody that you look up to and admire here in the church, a friend that you care about, and just say, look, I'm going to tell you some hard things, but it's real. This is true. This is who I am. I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to be honest with you. And you're going to find freedom like you've never found before. The Bible says this in Proverbs 28. Look up here on the screens. People who conceal their sins will what? They will not. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. What happens when they confess and turn from them? They will receive what? Mercy. This is a promise from God. When people who hide things don't get better. Nothing good grows in the dark. It's a perfect recipe for you to continue moving further and further away from God, from the people you love, from the life that God's called you to. It's when you say, here's who I am, good, bad, and ugly. People love that. People are drawn to other people who are just honest and transparent with their flaws and their weaknesses. I mean, you might admire people's strengths, but you are drawn to and you resonate with the things in their life that are difficult. And you sense when you see someone who's got some wounds and some scars that maybe there's hope for you as well. Today, maybe you need to talk to somebody and just get very honest with what's going on in your life. There's something about saying something out loud that just starts to break the power that Satan has over you when you do that. And I know that some of you are thinking, well, what will people think of me? I think they're going to think you're an incredibly brave person who's moving towards a place of wholeness and healing and health. I think you may spur other people to be honest with where they're at and where they're struggling because of your courage and bravery to just come clean and say, this is not working anymore. I need to change. I need to go forward. I, I tell you, again, connection, it's a place where we accept each other while we change and grow. And I fully, 100% endorse the leadership of our church to, to be somebody that you can share this with. And it'll be confidential. It'll be helpful. It'll be scriptural. You know, we, we've all got wounds. We've all got scars. I want you to hear a story of one of our connection members and leaders as he talks about the things that he experienced and see if you resonate with his story. This is Larry DeGraff. So I am a recovering alcoholic. Um, I come from multiple generations of alcoholics. Uh, my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my parents, myself um, come about it honestly. Alcoholism just kind of, I, I never really knew I was an alcoholic until uh, I got in a lot of trouble and other people informed me that I was an alcoholic. And uh, when I got into the program of uh, AA, 
and I met other people like me and I heard their stories and went, oh, that's me. Oh, I did that. Oh, that's me. Um, you know, typically you think of an alcoholic as the guy underneath the overpass with the brown paper bag sleeping on the rocks. And uh, turns out we come in all shapes and sizes. I think the addiction, the impact it really isn't noticed by the addicted person um, as they're going through the addiction, if that makes any sense. Um, it impacts everyone around you that you don't really even notice. Um, a husband, I'm a father, I raised my children, I did my job, I brought home the money, you know, I did what I thought was supposed to be done. This is what a man does in life. And when I recovered, I realized the damage that I'd done to my family. Addiction is somewhat self-centered. You know, it's about me. Um, you know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, so just leave me alone. You know, without God, you can't, you can't receive the understanding that you are forgiven. When Jesus died, he took away all our, you know, on the cross, he took away our sins. And without the knowledge of that and being able to absorb that into your walk, then you'll, you gotta, you gotta bring God into your life to accept where you've been and where you're going. I think the, the best thing you can do for your recovery of any issue is honesty and to reach out for help. The, uh, you can walk the walk, but you're just going to suffer by yourself. You're, an alcoholic can get sober and just be absolutely miserable, but they're sober. But to be sober and have a happy life or to be, you know, whatever your issue is, to resolve that issue and be happy about it, you need a support system. And that's what the church and, and God is all about. The support in this church is overwhelming. There's nothing but support. There, nobody's ever looked and said, I, I don't think you should do that because I know where your past is. Everybody's biblical. Everybody understands the forgiveness of, of what Jesus did and why we're all here. There's no one's perfect. Well, there, there's a statement that says, you're as sick as your secrets. So once you let the secrets go, it just takes something off of you. It, you gotta let it go. So I am a recovering alcoholic. I think we got the message the first time. But I appreciate Larry being so willing to be open and candid because we have leaders here who understand the weaknesses of others because we've experienced it ourselves. And we are just so ready to bring the presence of Jesus into someone's life and watch the light of hope go on. I love what one of our friends here who is a, actually a Connection member, Lisa Randolph, she's a counselor, she says this, I thought this was so good. She said, therapy gives you a safe space to unlock and release the hushed spaces of your heart. Just something about talking to someone. And I would encourage you, talk to someone if there's something you're holding on to. You don't have to go through this alone anymore. You talk to the Lord, you talk to one of us. Larry's contact information is actually out at the guest services, and we'll have that available for you. You can reach out to him privately if you want to talk to him. Others of our elders, my business card is out there. You can shoot me an email, and we can set up a time to talk. 
I can put you in touch with gifted counselors like Lisa and others who will just help you take that next step forward. I want to say something to those of you maybe who are in the next days or weeks going to hear some difficult conversations from someone who trusts you. Just be open to hearing what they have to say. You may hear some things that shock you. You might hear some things that make you angry. Don't let that anger out. Somebody trusted you enough to share with some really difficult things with you. Just listen to them. Don't judge them. Hug them. Weep with them. Give them a sense of hope. Share the word with them. That person was brave to come to you. They trust you. Let them find freedom that Christ gives them. I don't know what's in your life today. Maybe there's, I'm not really talking to you, but maybe I'm talking about somebody you care about, and this is a message that you maybe want to think about for someone else. Just let this be a day of freedom for you, whether it's a day where you move towards freedom in Christ or you just praise God for the freedom that he's already given you and to know that things are always going to be better when Jesus is involved in your life that he truly came to set you free. Satan's the one who wants to convince you to just continue as you are and not change. Because he enjoys seeing you suffer. He destroys going after the image of God, which is us. And Jesus wants the complete opposite for you. He wants you to truly know life and know it to the full. And today, here's what I'm asking you to do. Say, if you're addicted to something, I'm done. It's enough. Now, I'm not saying that you immediately need to, you know, whatever it is, I, throwing your cigarettes away today might be great if you go out and buy them again tomorrow. Let's, let's talk to somebody maybe to help you through the process, but be done. Make the decision up here and in your will. No more. I'm done. We're going forward to the life that God has called me into. And he will change you. And he will make you into a person you can never have been on your own. I want to pray for you. And as I'm praying, maybe would you have an honest conversation with God yourself? with where you're truly at. Father, I'm so thankful that you know everything. There is nothing that we keep secret from you. There's nothing we could possibly hide from you. And yet, in spite of all of that, you're willing to show us mercy. And we don't deserve it. Of course we don't. It wouldn't be mercy if, uh, if we somehow deserved your grace. But thank you for having so much love for us that you take us right where we are and you love us too much to leave us there, that you've come to set us free. Jesus, thank you for literally giving your life to pay for freedom for us. I'm asking, Father, for you to convict us so that we will be so uncomfortable to stay where we are that we will just come to you and ask for your help. I pray for you to fill people here in this room and people who are watching online with grace as they listen to other people who have honest conversations with them, that we all together will work together to move towards you. I thank you for a church like this where we do accept each other as we grow and as we change. And I'm thankful to see a room full of stories of people that you have touched and you have changed. I pray you would just continue to do this, and I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad that you were here today, and if you have any questions or comments, if you serious or not, we're here for you. This is Jim Browse over by the door. He's one of our elders. Jim and Kelly would also love to, to talk with you and pray with you. My wife, Kirsten, and I will be here as well. And uh, we invite you to stand as we close with our benediction. If you had something on the Connect card that you want for prayer or just something you'd like us to know, you can drop those in the offering boxes that are on the wall as we, as we leave. Our benediction today is from Galatians 5.1. Christ has truly set you free. Now, make sure you stay free. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.